Here it is a Saturday in CCO land when we bring in our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's for another wine chat. Good morning to you, Jack. Hi, Denny. How are, How are you this morning? Things are nice. They, they actually seem rather fresh. We have 66 uh, degrees officially. It's kind of a nice morning. Hope you're doing yeah. well, too. Yes, it is a nice morning. It was nice to have a little bit of rain. Yeah, just a little, unfortunately. <laughs> what are we going to be? A little bit more. <laughs> I guess a lot more. How about today's uh, talk? Okay. I thought today we would talk, discuss a, a currently very popular wine, but it's always been around, and that's rosé, particularly with a little emphasis on French rosés. You know, rosé wines are being rediscovered in the United States, and the reason for that is. Uh, you know, back when I started in this wine business decades and decades ago, uh, the hottest wines in the restaurants and everywhere were rosés called Matus, Alianca, and Lancers. And they were all three of them were Portuguese rosés that became very popular after World War II and kind of uh, seemed to bring a little sophistication to the table. All those tens of thousands of American soldiers uh, that went to the European theater, got used to seeing wine as a regular beverage, and came home and started to have wine as a regular beverage. And uh, The Portuguese rosés were kind of sweet and soft and easy, and thus they became very popular. And at any restaurant worth its salt uh, back in the 60s and early 70s, would have Matus and Lancers, as well as Alianca, on their wine list. And uh, then something came along in the United States called White Zinfandel, or Blush Wines. Uh, Jerry Mead, the author, is the one that coined, uh, the wine author, coined the word blush, although it was trademarked by uh, Fred Crete, uh, who was with Mill Street Winery. But uh, Bob Trinchero accidentally left some uh, Zinfandel uh, depleted it well, it was before it was done, and the wine was pink. And so he thought, well, he tasted it and was kind of sweet and attractive, and thus was corned white, coined white Zinfandel. And so he thought, well, he tasted it and was kind of sweet and attractive, and thus was corned white, coined white Zinfandel. And because of that white Zinfandel, and, and imagine this, those blush wines, white Zinfandel, white Merlot, Cabernet Blush, etc., uh, not too terribly long ago, 15, 20 years ago, counted for over 20% of the wine market in the United States. That's hard to imagine. One in five bottles uh, was uh, white Zinfandel or white Merlot or whatever. And now that has dropped, as of last year, to just below 10%. So that's quite a drop. Uh, over half. And where has that uh, gone? Well, hopefully to rosés. Rosés are a marvelous wine. In fact, they were probably the first wines there were when winemaking wasn't very sophisticated. Uh, Undoubtedly, a little bit of the skin would be in contact with the juice. All grape juice runs clear. Uh, It has no color at all. They're deep, deep red grapes, or, or sunshine yellow grapes, all the juice is white. But if by accident they leave a little bit of uh, the skins in contact, it'll get a tint to it, and thus rosé. And that's how we get rosé wines. You leave the skins in touch with 
the juice for a while. There's three ways. Sanji, which is like letting blood, and that's thus the name Sanji. And uh, the other, but most common is they leave the skins in contact and it, it becomes a, uh, a pale color. And, and rosés run in the gamut from a pale onion skin to almost a, a red. Uh, the, the color chart is really off the wall when you look at the colors of rosé wine. But anyhow, uh, the rosés have been around for a long, long time. And rosés are very, very popular all over the world uh, now and, and becoming more popular. And there's a good reason for it. There's a place for that. Uh, the, particularly with the weather we've been having over the last several weeks, uh, a glass of cold rosé is probably as refreshing and delightful as any kind of wine you could think of on a hot day. Uh, they really are wonderful wines, great aperitifs. And the reason I said we were going to talk a little bit about French rosé is the fact of the matter is uh, French rosés are, they've made an art of producing rosés. There's rosés produced all over the country. Not that there aren't in other countries rosés made at different vineyards, but the, the styles of the different regions of France have really cemented what rosé wine is in the other wine-producing lands. Uh, for example, there's an area of France called Provence, and everybody's familiar with Provence. You know, you read it in books, and you imagine seeing fields of lavender, which incidentally are quite spectacular. Uh, and that whole area of France, particularly around Nice, and that that's all in Provence. So you got the French Riviera is in Provence, and thus the Provence wines became very popular because that was probably one of the most popular places for people to visit during the height of the empire in Britain. Everybody who was anybody, including Queen Victoria, had a place on the French Riviera. And, of course, if you had a place there, you drank the wine. And 80% of all the wines of Provence are rosés. And that's kind of why in Provence today you have all these Hollywood celebrities, Brad Pitt and uh, George, whatever his name is. Uh, and they have a vineyard land in there and are producing rosés, and some of them uh, take advantage of their name and put a hefty price on it. A good friend of mine was very responsible for Provence wines becoming popular in the United States, Sasha Lachine, the son of the very famous Alexis Lachine, who used to turn out books and was the absolute nth word on anything to do with wine. The Alexis Lachine was called the Pope of Wine. Anyhow, his son, about 20 years ago, told me, John, I'm going to have a rosé for $100. I said, Sasha, you're nuts. Nobody's ever going to pay that. Well, I was the one that was nuts. People have paid it. And his wine, Whispering Angel, is one of the most popular Provences there is. And the good thing about Provence wines is they pair so beautifully with that Mediterranean food that comes from that area of France, uh, particularly with garlicky sauces and things like that, uh, the Provence is just absolutely terrific. And, you know, that whole area from Nice to Marseille, the French Riviera, Provence wines are the ones people are after. And uh, the wine grape type there is mainly Grenache. And uh, we see that Grenache is also the main grape type of the wines 
of the Rhone Valley. There are great values, uh, in my opinion, the, the Rhone Valley uh, wines, and they are, uh, all of these are really very, very food-friendly. That's what makes them so wonderful. And when you go to these places, you know, you have naturally the food and the wine of the region. Uh, the Provence wine shows so beautifully, and, and that's why I said we we're devoting a little bit of this time on rosé to French wines, because they have whole areas that produce nothing but rosé, uh, or uh, like Provence, 80% of the wine. I mean, that that's a lot of wine, because it's a huge production area. There's this much smaller production area that we've talked about in the past, which is one of my favorite rosés. It's called Tavel, and all they make in Tavel is rosé. Nothing but rosé comes from Tavel. And as I tell people, uh, Tavel rosés are really, in my opinion, a red wine drinker's rosé because they have a lot of power and guts to them. They're big wines. I know everybody's tired of my story. When I was first introduced to it was... Uh, we were on the French Riviera, and we ordered a salad niçoise, and the waiter recommended Tavel. Well, I fell in love with the wine, and I've been in love with it ever since. And it really is a delightful wine. The Tavel area is about 10 miles uh, southwest of the Chateau Neuf de Pop. And like I say, they produce nothing there but rosé. And if you ever have a red wine drinker, you want them convinced to try a glass of rosé, Give them a glass of Tavella, you know what, you'll have a convert on your hands because the wines of that region are so beautiful and wonderful, full of flavor, and big wines. I mean, for rosé, there's no such thing, in my opinion, as a blasé Tavella, at least none that I have ever discovered. It's really a wonderful wine. Uh, we have one called Royal Tavella, which is my favorite, and it is and absolutely super wine. It makes a fabulous aperitif. Those other Rhone wines that are outside of the Tavel region, particularly the Cote de Rhone, are really great buys. You know, uh, I've said often that the whole Rhone Valley is one of the great bargain baskets of wine for French wines because the Rhone wines haven't gone up the way they have in Burgundy and Bordeaux and places like that, and they're delicious. And they produce, again... Rosé wines here that are just absolutely terrific. And, you know, rosés are good for winemakers because, it, particularly if they make red wine, this gives them a cash crop right away because rosés could be made and turned out very, very quickly, where usually red wines take a year or two, and sometimes as much as three or five, uh, to go from the grapevine to your bottle. But your rosé can be a cash crop, and, and you can have, produce a rosé and have it ready for market three, four months after the harvest. And, and, and that's uh, very attractive to any winemaker, and that's why rosés have caught on throughout the rest of the world. Besides becoming a wine that people like and want, it, it uh, helps out with the cash flow for the winemakers. Then there's the Loire Valley. And, of course, everybody knows about Anjou pears. Well, did you know that there's a rosé called Rosé d'Anjou from the same area that all those Anjou pears come from? And it's made from Cabernet Franc and Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, the rosé from uh, there. And it is absolutely, in my opinion, uh, delicious. It's got a softer edge. Rosé d'Anjou's are a little bit sweeter, and that's why early on they were the most popular French wines to come into the United States. 
because of that little bit of sweetness from uh, the Loire Valley, the Anjou. They make other rosés. In fact, somebody asked me the other day if I ever had a rose, Sancerre rosé. Yes, I have. But those are really kind of gimmicky things, clever, etc. But if you want a really good glass of rosé and you want a Loire, have one from Anjou. It really is terrific. Even though uh, there's other areas of the Loire that produce wonderful rosé wine, I think the rosé d'Anjou is the most popular there is. And then, of course, champagne produces rosé. And if you ever want a bottle of champagne and somebody's, oh, it's Dom Perignon, well, everybody recognizes the name. It's associated with quality, the best of the best. Well, did you know that the most expensive champagne is Dom Perignon Rosé? That's right. They make rosés in uh, champagne, and they are absolutely wonderful. And people uh, covet those, like Cristal and uh, Bouffe Clicquot. Their rosés are more expensive than the regular, and there's a reason for that. I think they taste better. But uh, then there's other regions, like the Languedoc produces a ton of rosé wine. Um, in saying this about French, I'm only saying it because France has all these areas that are specifically known for their rosé the world over. But that's not to ignore the fact that rosés are made all over the world in Italy, Spain, Portugal, and, of course, in the New World, uh, Chile, Argentina, New Zealand, Australia, and Yes, our own California. Everybody has uh, got a, some skin in the game when it comes to rosé today. They all are after it. And, and then the other countries like uh, Switzerland. Switzerland has a rosé that I've always loved the name of. It's called Eye of the Partridge because the wine is the color of the eye of the partridge. Uh, a marvelous bottle of wine. But anyhow, I think you get the idea about this. Rosé is not just... Uh, an afternoon wine for the Ladies Bridge Club. Rosé is a wine for everybody. And whether your favorite is uh, a wine from Oregon, even uh, a good wine from Oregon like the Maine Serene, which is owned by some Minnesota folks, is a wonderful wine. It produces some of the best Pinot Noir in the world, not just in Oregon. And yet they are introduced a rosé, and it's bloody good, too, I might add. But anyway... There's lots of rosés out there. Get a corkscrew and try them. You won't be disappointed. And incidentally, today, if you happen to be in St. Paul, our Uncle Terry over there is making sangria. And believe me, his sangrias are nothing like anything you've ever seen. He makes a rosé sangria out of Prosecco rosé that is just the showstopper. So is his white sangria. And that's at our St. Paul store uh, uh, later this afternoon, if you want to go over there and try some wonderful sangria, see him. And then, of course, my son Ted has his six for 60, and they're all rosés. Six bottles of wine, 60 bucks, all rosés. There's a couple of sparkling wines. There's a French sparkler. Uh, there's a Prosecco rosé, which is a new thing, incidentally. Prosecco just permitted them to make rosé. Uh, it one from Bordeaux, one from Burgundy, and a couple from Provence. So that 6 for 60 is a great, great buy, and it's a great way to try rosés. And it's available, of course, at Haskell's. Oh, marvelous idea. I love that 6 for 60. Well, Jack, as I always like to mention, you can find all of these good ideas at Haskell's. Yeah, the folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine, whether your favorite 
is a Rhine wine or your favorite is rosé or you're just looking to pair something with steaks on the grill, stop in and see the folks at Haskell's. They'll help you hook up with a wine that won't cost very much and will marry perfectly with whatever you're having. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. There's a Haskell's in Bloomington. There's one in Excelsior right at the dock. That Maple Grove store is not to be missed. It's 22,000 square feet of wine. And there's our Faribault store right off at 35. In downtown Minneapolis, there's free parking on both Saturday and Sunday. We have a store out at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And don't forget, if you can't come into Haskell's, call. you can go right to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, the folks at Haskell's do deliver. And, of course, we have will call and pick up outside the store if you like that. Absolutely. Haskell's are the wine people. Boy, we'll say that again. Jack, let's talk again next week. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. Thanks so much. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.